You're listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net. And thanks for joining us. Hey, how's everybody feeling this morning? You guys good? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty pumped up today. So uh, hang on. Okay, I'm gonna try to not keep my foot on the gas the entire time, but it may just happen that way, so, so hang on, it's gonna be fun. Uh, like Jay said, I'm Sean. I'm one of the, uh, I almost said I'm one of the nurses. I'm also a nurse. <laughs> I'm one of the preachers and one of the elders here at Grace, and uh, I'm excited to study God's word together. If you are uh, joining us online, again, welcome. We're glad that you are, are here. Uh, we have been in this great series uh, through the book of Matthew, Uh, I love our series through the Gospels. One of the things I love about them is no matter how many times you go through them, there's always more to learn, always more to be reminded of. Um, They're great. But we've been in this great series through Matthew. And Jay, last week, he talked about this idea that um, our faith journey is a progression, or rather it should be a progression through our lives. And uh, the fact is, is that the progression actually starts before we meet Jesus because, uh, as we looked at in our text last week, God uh, the Father, through the power of the Spirit, begins to do something in our lives where he wakes us up, he helps us to see our need for a Savior, it helps us to see that he is our Savior, and that's where we become aware then of this progression of faith and our journey along, along that. And Jay told us about how he can point back to a particular uh, place, a particular time, I think it's by a particular tree, that he uh, gave his life to the Lord at this Young Life camp. And I I love that. I love that uh, Jay has a particular place he can look back to. My uncle, uh, for him, it's this place down in Cannon Beach. Um, He can take me to the spot on the sand where, where he gave his life to the Lord. And usually when we're there together in Cannon Beach, we talk about that there, and it's, it's wonderful. But for all of us, we don't all have a spot necessarily that we can particularly point back to. I'm like that. Uh, I grew up in a home that was, was not really a Christian home. Uh, we did go to church uh, for a while as a family, but then eventually quit going, and there was lots of things in my home that were, were certainly not consistent with the Bible. And uh, I, I can't really point back to a time Uh, I did have friends that would take me to church periodically, and that's really where I got introduced to Jesus. Um, And so for me, my faith journey, this progression of faith for me is is a lot more like this uh, lyric from uh, this old Chris Rice song that says, I've never heard the calling, but somehow you've led me right here. That's my story. Now, I can think of a million times where I have said to God over the last years, um, God, I love you. God, I wanna follow you. God, I wanna serve you. I told him that this week, because I do. And so, so whether you have a particular point in time um, or, or whether, like me, it's, it's sort of this progression, um, all of us at some point, um, we must answer the question that Jesus asked the disciples last week. He asked them this in Matthew 16. He says, who do people say that the Son of Man is? This might be or, or perhaps is the most crucial question that any of us can answer, but it can't stay in generalities. It can't stay in uh, ambiguity like, who, who does the world say that I am? Who do people say that I am? Ultimately, it must get personal for all of us, and that's why Jesus then asked them, he says, but what about you? Who do you say that, that I am? Who do you say that the Son of Man is? So we have to wrestle with that. We all must answer that question, and so if you are hearing this, 
and you're still not sure who the Son of Man is, who Jesus is, I just wanna say welcome. You're in a great spot here to get to learn about what God is like, who the Messiah is, what the family of God is all about. So welcome, I, I really am glad that you're here. If you have been walking with uh, Jesus for a long time, years or decades, I also wanna say welcome to you. You are in a great spot. Uh, because the message this morning from the text about what is the next step in our progression of faith, Jay asked us that last week, the next step for all of us is to follow Jesus. It sounds like a duh statement to make, but the fact is, is that it is true. And so that's what we're gonna talk about today. What does it mean, what does it look like for us to follow Jesus? I'm gonna pray one more time, we're gonna invite the Spirit to work, and then we are gonna get to work ourselves. Bow your heads with me. Uh, Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for uh, your goodness. Thank you for a time of worship. Thank you for my church family. And God, we do pray. I, I invite your spirit now, God. Would you fill me? Would you fill this place? Uh, God, would, you, would the words that I speak be words that bring you glory, that are consistent with your word? And God, would you do something in our hearts and our lives in such a way that we leave uh, this time changed? I love you, and I thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we are continuing chapter 16. We're gonna start in verse 28. We'll work through the end of the chapter. Uh, verse 21, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up the cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. So uh, it starts off here in verse 21, and it says, uh, from that time on that Jesus began to explain to his disciples uh, the things that are going to happen to him, that he's gonna be killed, um, that he's gonna, he's gonna go to the cross. And I, I think that, it's interesting, because if you remember, Jesus has just uh, asked the disciples, uh, who do people say that I am? And, and they rightly answer, Peter rightly answers for the group, you are um, the Messiah, but then he's warned them not to tell anyone, and so now he's explaining to them what's gonna happen, and I can almost hear Peter saying, Jesus, can I talk to you for a second? And like, taking him aside, and, and saying to him, Jesus, this, this is never gonna happen, you are not gonna die. And so Jesus' response to Peter must have been so significant to him. It must have been uh, sort of like a bucket of ice water getting dumped on him, right? Because it's shocking. Jesus, he says to him in verse 23, he says, get behind me, Satan, you are a stumbling block to me. And we know from, from the scriptures that Jesus was tempted in every way. Jesus knows what's coming. He just explained to the disciples what's coming. And so he knows some of the things we talked about on Good Friday. He knows that the arrest is coming, that the beatings and the trials and the humiliation and getting spit on and his beard pulled out, 
He knows that he is ultimately going to be flogged and nailed to a cross and is gonna be truly excruciating. It's going to be a tremendous amount of physical and, and spiritual and emotional pain for Jesus. And so I imagine how tempted Jesus is to maybe look for another way out. Again, he is fully God, but he's also fully man in this moment. And so Jesus is um, tempted because he knows that Satan is using Peter to tempt Jesus to look for another way out, to not go to the cross. So where, where did Peter go wrong? And it says right here at the end of this verse, you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Peter loves Jesus. Peter and Jesus had walked together, they had served together, they had done ministry together, they had healed together and endured storms and trials and all kinds of crazy things together and I think that those things, they bond people in a way that maybe doesn't bond people, right? They were uniquely bonded together as brothers. And so Peter, he, he doesn't wanna see any of this sort of thing happen to Jesus. It's also possible that Peter is um, thinking about um, his Old Testament Bible and he's thinking about the Bible and thinking about what it says about the Messiah and who the Messiah will be and that he will be powerful and, and crush the enemy and he's gonna do all these things. And, and so Peter, from either, either his experience with Jesus or his experience with the scriptures or both, he can't imagine a scenario where Jesus goes to the cross. And so I think that that that's the first thing that I see here is, is what it says right there, that following Jesus is about maintaining or keeping the concerns of God, not human concerns. This was really hard to do in Peter's day. I think it's maybe harder to do in our day because we got all kinds of uh, voices coming at us all the time. We have constant news cycles and TV programming. We've got satellite and regular radio programming We've got people that we work with and things on social media and sports and film stars and politicians. We have uh, big signs, billboards that we drive past that have messages on them. We have signs in our own neighborhood that people put up in their yard or maybe you put some up in your yard and you're looking at the signs around and you're thinking, oh really, is that where those people are at? Wherever you're at and whatever your sign says, maybe you didn't put up a sign and some neighbors are wondering what's wrong with you. Why didn't you put a sign up? It sends a message. And so we have all of these things coming at us. We also have um, the people in our own home. We have also the thoughts in our own head. And it gets hard to maintain the concerns of God and not be thinking about or distracted by human concerns. And so there's a few things, three ways that I wanna talk about this morning that we stay um, being mindful of the things of God. And the first one, I don't think you're gonna be surprised to hear me say, because I think I say this literally every single time I preach. Read your Bible. <laughs> don't I say that every time I preach? I think I do. Read your Bible. This is so important, there's no substitute for this. You need to be in the Word of God. We need the Word of God like we need food and air and water. It's, it's that important. Some of you have fallen away from your time in the Word. It's time to get back in. I can think of seasons in my life where I've, I've been consistently in the word of God, either daily, sometimes multiple times a day. And even though that compared to the times when I'm not in the, in the word of God consistently, I have problems during both of those seasons. But I'll tell you what, when I'm in the word of God consistently and faithfully, my life is rooted in such a way that it helps me persevere and get through those times better. 
And the same is true for you. So you need to be in the word of God. You also need to be people of prayer. This is one of the most incredible things about uh, God to me is that through Jesus, by the power of the Spirit, we have access to the King of kings and Lord of lords. He is our dad, and so we can just talk to him. It's, it's absolutely amazing to think about the fact that we can talk to our dad, our father who is in heaven. Um, it is, is through the, the, those things, through the word, through prayer, talking to God, listening to God, hearing from the Spirit of God that way that will help us to maintain uh, the things of God. It's what Paul's talking about in his letter to the Romans. Um, one of my favorite verses, Romans 12 two, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. It, it renews our mind. It helps us to, to understand and know the things of God. And we need it constantly because like I said, all of the things in our world are, are, are constant. They, they don't stop and they're so loud. And so we need to be um, people of prayer, we need to be people of the word. The other thing we need to be is people of community. And Jay also talked about this last week, and this is something we see all throughout scripture, even at the very beginning. Um, Look at Genesis 126. It says, then God said, let us, notice the, the language here, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish and the birds and the livestock and wild animals and creatures. Um, God, is a community. The Father and the Son and the Spirit, we call that the Trinity, um, they are a perfect community. Now let me be careful to say this. We don't worship three gods. We worship one God who eternally exists in three persons, the Father, the Son, the Spirit. Is that confusing? Yes, it is confusing. Uh, The Trinity is one of those concepts, one of those things for me that's difficult to get my hands and my my heart and my head around. Um, But we know that it's true. And for us, it is one of those things that that I think is okay for us to to let be mysterious. There's things about God that we just can't know. And for me, this is one of them that I've looked at this, I've studied this, I've read books on the Trinity, and it's confusing. But the fact is, is we we come from community. Uh, God, a little bit later then, after he has made Adam, and Adam has gone around um, naming all the animals, he can't find any creatures that look like him because he is the only person that God's made. Um, God looks at him and he says, it's not good for man to be alone, so he creates Eve. He gives Adam and Eve community. We need community. A little bit later, uh, the Apostle Paul will talk about the fact that inside of the church, in the family of God, we are one body made up of many parts. We need community. It's one of the things that helps us to maintain uh, the concerns of God, not the concerns of, of men. We need each other for encouragement. We need each other for understanding. Sometimes I need to be rebuked, and so do you. Sometimes I need to be taught things. Sometimes I need to be comforted. These are all things that we see and get inside of the family of God, inside the community of God. Earlier this week, I was in my office here at the church. Um, For those of you that don't know, most of you don't. Um, My office is the church cafe, uh, or the student men room, or the great room, or whatever room is not occupied when I come up here to work on my sermon. I was in um, my office, one of my offices, the cafe, this week which we're shut down, we're, we're, we're hoping to get it open again soon. So right now it's BYOB, so I had my Diet Coke from McDonald's, which as a side note is the best Diet Coke on earth. 
from McDonald's, amen, and yes, it's delicious there. I don't know what they do to it, it's wonderful. Um, but, uh, uh, so I'm in the cafe, I'm sitting there working on my sermon, my brother Matt Patrick comes in, because he's coming into work too, and so he swings by the cafe, and we spend some time talking. I haven't got to chat with Matt for very, for, you know, closely for, for a while. And so we talked, we probably only spent maybe 10 or 15 minutes, it wasn't a super long amount of time, but we just talked. We talked about how important it is for us to live fully and freely. We talked about uh, the joys that we're experiencing. We also talked about the challenges and the stressors. We talked about this sermon. We also talked about grief. Talked about a lot of things. We covered a lot of ground in a few minutes. But the family of God, the community of God, is like that for us. We need each other. We need to be in uh, community. We need to be in the word, we need to be in prayer because it is these things as we follow Jesus that helps us to maintain or keep the concerns of God and not human concerns. So are you consistently in the word? Lots of you are. Lots of you are. Are you consistently um, spending time reading the Bible? Some of you don't like to read, that's fine because now we have all these amazing things called apps that you can download to your phone or your iPad uh, or your computer, and you can press play and the word of God literally gets read to you, usually in a weird accent or something. Uh, Well, it's weird to me, it's probably not weird to the person speaking it, right? But you can literally have the word of God read to you while you're driving your car or whether you're cooking dinner or mowing your lawn or whatever it is you're doing, it's amazing. Some of us like to read and we sit down and actually read it, I do both actually. You need to be in the word of God. And if you've gotten complacent about it, it's time to get back in. If you've never started, you've never established a pattern of being in the word, it's time to start. If you don't know where to start, come talk to me after the service. I'll help you find a place to start. But we need to be in the word of God. We also wanna be people of prayer. So how is your prayer life? Are you talking to God consistently? Are you spending time listening to God consistently? Are you spending time obeying God consistently? And are you in community? And are you in community in such a way that the people that you're in community with are close enough to see you at your very, very best and celebrate life with you and celebrate joys? but are you also close enough that they can see you at your very, very worst and love you anyway and pray with you and encourage you and rebuke you? It is in those kinds of relationships that you will learn to fall more and more and more in love with God. And it is in those kinds of relationships that you will learn to love other people better. But there's a warning here Don't miss this thing. If we don't consistently maintain or keep the concerns of God above human concerns, then you might be acting as an agent of Satan and not even know it. That's what happened to Peter. It can happen to us. There's more to following Jesus, though. He goes on here, verse 24. 
Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take their cross up and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me um, will find it. Imagine how Peter's feeling here and the other disciples uh, because they just have been told that the Messiah, that Jesus is going to go to the cross. And they know what the cross is. It's not a pleasant thing. And so they've been told that, and now Jesus looks at them and he says, listen, whoever wants to be my disciple, that means Peter, that means the disciples, it means if there was anybody on the periphery there that could hear, it also means all of you and it means me. It means whoever wants to be uh, Jesus' disciple must deny themselves and pick up their cross and follow him. It must have been scary for Peter to think through those kinds of things. I think it can be uh, scary for us as we think about following Jesus. Because the next thing that I see that, that we need to be people about as we follow Jesus is following his example, which again, I realize this is sort of obvious, <laughs> right? But what does that mean specifically to follow Jesus? We're gonna talk about that. I love this about Jesus, that more often than not, when he commands us, when he calls us to do something, he is more than willing to do it himself. Again, he just told them that he was gonna go to the cross. And now he says, and you need to deny yourself and pick up your cross. Now, does that mean that all of us are going to be killed for our faith? Of course not. Does that mean that some of us might one day be killed for our faith? The answer is maybe. You might be. I might be. But for most of us, that's, that's probably not true for most of us. And so if it's not true for most of us, what does it mean then to deny ourselves? You see, there's all kinds of things like we talked about earlier. There's all these loud things in the world, all these external pressures on us all the time to be this and not that or to think that way and not, not this way. We're constantly pressured to embrace the cause of the day, whatever it is, without asking questions or something's wrong with you. We're told to follow this political party or that political party. We're also told to do things that, that may be a little bit more obvious to us, things that aren't healthy for us, to drink this or smoke that or click on this website. And sometimes the external pressures, we hear them, we feel them, we experience them enough that they begin to be internal uh, pressures on ourselves. And those internal pressures can unfortunately look a lot like the external pressures. And so the internal pressures might say something like, drink this, or smoke that, or overeat, or engage in a little shopping therapy, numb your pain with this, click on that website, lash out at him, you believe what he did to you? Stonewall her and make her pay for how she hurt you. Take care of yourself first, and above all, hang on to your comfort, your own comfort, at all costs. These are the internal things that we hear. The sin of Eve in the garden was that she trusted in herself. She uh, trusted in her own thoughts as she listened to the voice of the serpent instead of listening to and responding to uh, the voice of God. Denying yourself is all about tuning out the voices of the serpent. Denying yourself is all about tuning out the voices of the culture and indeed tuning out the voices inside of your own being that compel you to do things that go against God's word and to listen to something besides the voice of God. 
the student ministries uh, have this theme that they, that they run by, that they live by, that they live with, and it's called simply louder. It's something that uh, our, our uh, pastor, um, uh, oh my gosh, Stephen. <laughs> I know who you are, Stephen, I know, okay. Listen, it's something that our, our youth pastor, Stephen, uh, uh, brought with him. It's about making the gospel uh, louder. It's about turning down the voices um, out there and not engaging with them, turning down the voices of culture, turning down the, the voices of things going on around us, turning down the voices even inside of our own hearts and our heads in such a way that we don't wanna do what those things say because they take us away from God. There is temptation there. It's about making the gospel louder in our own lives. It's also then about taking the gospel to a hurting world in spite of its challenges and denying ourselves and bringing the gospel and the kingdom of God into a world that desperately needs it. It's about making the gospel louder. Jay talked about this last week. He said, listen, we are the church and we are not gonna hunker down and ride this one out and, and, and hope everything works out okay. We are on mission for Jesus. We are on mission to bring the kingdom of God into a hurting world to make the gospel louder. And part of that is about denying ourselves the temptations and the sin and the, the garbage out there in the world that wants to pull us away from God. But it's not just about denying ourselves those things. I think it's also about setting aside encumbrances. Another one of my favorite verses, Hebrews 12.1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. We have sin, right? We should be denying ourselves sin. We should be denying ourselves those things. But we also have these encumbrances, and I think sometimes for some of us, those encumbrances are things like shame and fear and condemnation and even guilt, although sometimes guilt is an appropriate uh, emotion to experience because it should lead us to repentance. The fact is we're all guilty. But that doesn't mean that our lives need to be controlled by fear or shame or condemnation. Listen, the word says this, if you are in Christ, there is now no condemnation for you. Praise God, you are a saint and not a sinner anymore, so we need to be living out of that identity. We need to be denying um, both sin and encumbrances in, in our lives but we also need to be about picking something up, not just setting aside things, but also picking something up. That is picking up the cross of Christ. This is something that should be done daily. Sometimes it should be something that's done momentarily. This is about bowing to Jesus as Lord. One of our elders, Steve Matthews, who is an incredible man. If you don't know Steve, you should, he's, he's incredible. And often when we're praying as an elder team, Steve will say this phrase, he'll say, Lord, we bow to you. And I absolutely love that. Because whenever he says it, while we're there praying, usually it's upstairs in, in, in our, one of the rooms we meet in, I physically want to, I physically feel myself want to bow because Jesus is worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our adoration. He is worthy of, of everything. And so picking up your cross is about taking on the concerns of God and choosing to go wherever they lead regardless of the cost. And that's what we should be about. We should be about denying ourselves and picking up our cross and following Jesus because when we do, we are following his example. Look at Philippians 2. 
Verse five, in your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Look at all the things that we see here that are directly correlated. In verse six where it says that, that he did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, some translations uh, will translate that as something to be grasped or held onto. Jesus is denying himself, he's setting aside. It says that he made himself nothing. Remember, Jesus had everything in heaven everything. He didn't need anything. He didn't want anything. He had perfect community. He had everything. But he said, no, I'm going to deny myself. I'm going to come to the earth. I'm going to live as a human. All the confines that that brought for him. And then in verse 8, he literally takes up his cross. Uh, Jesus is our example. One of the things that we can do to take up our cross and to follow him is to be obedient and get baptized. Jesus commands us to repent and believe and be baptized. He commands us then as the church to go and make disciples and baptize people. Baptism is one of those incredible things that we do that identifies with Jesus because he himself was baptized. Uh, We also identify with him because when we are baptized, uh, we are laid down under the water, symbolically being buried with Jesus And then when we raise up out of the water, it signifies rising or resurrecting to new life in Christ. We identify with our Lord and Savior when we are are baptized. And it also is a public declaration that you are choosing to follow Jesus, not culture, not what the loudest things say in, in the world, not even the voices in our own heart and head, not the voice of the serpent, but Jesus You see, following Jesus is a process, it is a uh, progression, but it can be difficult. And so that is the third thing that I think um, following Jesus involves. It means persevering knowing that reward is coming. Look what it, it says here in verse 27. For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Now, another warning here. There is a danger in trusting yourself and not following Jesus. There is a danger in clinging to, grasping onto, hanging onto whatever this world has to offer. Even the things that look good, like uh, money and power and influence and comfort. There is also a danger in clinging to the things that are bad for us, but they might still look good, things like sin, your own understanding, popular opinion, or folly. Jay, last week talked about the unforgivable sin, and what the unforgivable sin is, a, is a perpetual rejection of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. It is a perpetual rejection of the Spirit's work in your life, inviting you, wooing you, calling you, commanding you to come into the family of God and all that he has to offer. But the warning is this, if you continue to reject Jesus' offer, if you continue to reject the Spirit of God working, if that is you and you persist in that, then the only reward that you have coming after you leave this world is hell. Jesus talked about hell much. Look at verse, or excuse me, chapter seven, verse 21. 
Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and did we not, or in your name did we not drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? And Jesus says these incredibly sobering words. He says, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Sobering words. Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, Jesus says this, do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both body, or excuse me, both soul and body in hell. Sobering, sobering words. What good is it if you gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit your soul? God's desire is that all people would be saved. His word says that clearly. And so if you're struggling to understand, if you're struggling to believe, then please ask him. Please ask him. Ask his spirit. Ask God the Father to help you understand. Help him to, ask him to help you understand his word and to understand what the invitation really is and all that means for your life. Ask him. Because God is perfectly loving, but he is also perfectly just. And so if you continue to reject Jesus' offer, then that is a decision that you will eternally regret. But for those who are in Christ and those who do choose to follow, they will be rewarded. Look at what Paul says to the Corinthian church in chapter uh, four of 2 Corinthians, verse 16. He says, therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, that is the human realm, but what is unseen, that is the realm of God, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Friends, this is an incredible promise. This is an incredible promise. We have reward coming in Christ. And that reward is glory. It is eternal community. It is belonging. It is righteousness. It is salvation. And most importantly, it is God himself. It is going to be amazing. And then Jesus ends with these uh, words here at the end of, of chapter 16, he says, truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. If you wanna know what that means, come back next week. <laughs> and we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. Um, I wanna invite the worship team to come back up. I wanna uh, ask you some questions. Now these questions are on the note sheet. You can pick them up back here. If you're listening online, uh, you can download these note sheets um, from from our website. Um, But I want you to take these questions this week, some homework. Take these questions and spend some time at some point this week pondering through these things. But I I want to um, ask them right now, um, just so that we can be thinking about them. The first question is this. uh, Where are you at on your progression of faith? Next question, what are the voices that you are listening to? Culture, politics, media, whatever's loudest, yourself. 
Or are you listening to the voice of God? What is God asking you to lay down today in denying yourself? What sin, what choices, what idols? Maybe for you it's fear or shame or condemnation. Where is God asking you to follow him today? And the last question is what will your response be? Will it be obedience? Will it be worship? Maybe it'll be baptism. We have baptisms. I love baptisms. Like Jay said, if you've never been baptized, if you've chosen to follow Jesus and have never been baptized, maybe this morning you chose for the very first time, you're recognizing, I need the Lord. My brother Dave Christensen is gonna be right over here. Um, this is Dave here in the, the white and blue shirt. He's gonna be right over here. If you've never been baptized and you wanna be, come see Dave. Like Jay said, we have towels, we have water, uh, we have clothes. We might even have a hairbrush or something. You can you know, make yourself look good again when we're done. Let's worship. Let's worship this God of ours. You know, there's been uh, seasons in my life that the, the thing that I needed to do uh, to lay down and to deny myself and to let go of. What I needed to let go of was, uh, at, at one point in my life, life um, significant uh, unrepentant sin. Some of you are there this morning. Other times in my life, I've needed to sit and lay down um, the shame and the condemnation that I felt because of those things. More recently, especially in the last year, like many of you, uh, something I've needed to lay down and let go of is fear. Fear's been a, a significant thing for me this year, and I'm learning that I don't have to be afraid, and you don't either. And so, I, I guess I just want to say this. Whatever we choose to deny ourselves of, whatever we choose to lay down, and when we choose to pick up the cross of Christ, it is better. It's better than anything this world has to offer. It's better than anything we could ever do. And Jesus talks about that in Matthew uh, 11. He says this, he says, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let me pray over, over you this morning. Father, thank you for your work. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for a cross, uh, an empty tomb, a risen Lord, and an indwelling spirit. And I pray, Father, that we would all, um, God, whatever it is we're compelled to this morning, that God, we would be about following you, denying ourselves, picking up our cross and live in our lives in a way that bring you glory and, and God bring us good. We love you. I thank you for that. I thank you for your goodness, Lord. It is in Jesus' beautiful name that I pray. Amen. I love you, Grace. I hope you have a great week. See you next week. Thank you for joining us for Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church here in Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net.